Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Daily Thunder, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoop Heads, as always. Today, I'm coming at you solo, but we obviously have a serious deficit in this Nets series to cover. I'm sure all of you have heard it by now if you didn't see it with your own eyes, but the Bucks utterly embarrassed themselves against the Brooklyn Nets on Monday as the Nets put up an absolute clinic, made the Bucks look like they did not belong on a court with the Brooklyn Nets or on any NBA court uh, at that. Um, The Bucks obviously also redeemed themselves somewhat in game three, but it also, that in itself wasn't the most encouraging of a contest either um, as that was just ugly basketball all throughout that contest uh, one way or the other. Um, so there will be plenty of time for me to pass out plenty of critique for this Bucks team. Um, but before then, I'll get into some of the game notes from this game. Obviously, I'll spare you guys some of the details considering my um, considering my 30-point uh, advantage or deficit rule in uh, watching these games and uh, at least taking notes on these games. I... I don't think I I at all turned off this this uh, this devastating uh, game two defeat, but my attention was definitely directed directed elsewhere at some point. Uh, starters in this contest were Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, PJ Tucker, and Brooke Lopez. Meanwhile, the Nets had Kyrie Irving, Bruce Brown, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and Blake Griffin. Uh, standing out there is that uh, James Harden was out for Game 2 as well as Game 3. A uh, reminder that Harden has been out in this series with uh, hamstring tightness. Uh, I believe it's right hamstring tightness uh, on the same hamstring that sidelined him for 20 games in the regular season. 
Obviously, teams will be abundantly uh, more cautious in the regular season compared to the playoffs. We've seen that with uh, with Joel Embiid's torn meniscus in the other Eastern Conference semifinal series. Um, but regardless, even if, even if Harden knows that he's going to be out for um, for the rest of this series, I I don't think it it uh, behooves the Nets at all to uh, reveal whether or not Harden will return. Um, as if they need any more help considering game two. Uh, to start out game two, I noticed that Giannis had started on Kyrie, um, which still puzzles me, um, given that they don't have to worry about James Harden, so they don't have to worry about keeping uh, Drew Holiday on James. Drew is obviously the natural matchup for Kyrie now, and we can keep P.J. Tucker on Kevin Durant and uh Giannis can roam off of uh, the likes of Bruce Brown, where he eventually moved um, over to, or rather got his shots at him. But um, I think immediately immediately after being on Kyrie for a possession or so in the first quarter, he moved on to Blake Griffin, as Blake Griffin has uh, looked much more like uh, 2019 Blake Griffin, if not Lob City Blake Griffin, and that's a little too much uh, for Brooke Lopez and, of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo at times. Um, and then later in the first, um, whilst being outscored the entire Bucks team by Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, uh, we did get some finasty action, which jumped out to me. Certainly not a good sign as a Bucks fan if we're getting... Vanessa Sanadokounmpo in the playoff rotation, especially so early on, but desperate times to call for desperate measures. And Thanasis does bring a ton of energy. He didn't make the same uh, impact that he did late in the first as he did late in the third in game three. Um, but yeah, really, after the first quarter, it was already looking pretty bleak for the Bucks. The Bucks were down 19 to 36 after one. Uh, into the second quarter, Drew stepped up a bit and was getting into the paint. Um, but I believe he still only finished game two with about 13 points or so. So so we should definitely expect a little more from, from Drew Holiday. Um, I know I I saw some rumblings, uh, some Drew Bledsoe rumblings in uh, game three, which was when Giannis and Chris really stepped up. Um, but Drew silenced them towards the end there. Um you know, at this point, we do expect, based off of the regular season, that Drew Holiday will be um, will be sometimes a second option for this team. So we really expect a lot more from him in this playoffs, especially when we're struggling. He did it briefly here, but obviously, it, um, no sing- single player really could have filled in the filled in the gaps here, as every as every single uh, Bucks player in this game looked like they had been punched in the mouth. Uh, uh, in addition to uh, KD and Kyrie Irving outscoring the Bucks in the first quarter, uh, when KD and Kyrie sat at the beginning of the second quarter, the Bucks were still outscored without KD and Kyrie out there, and the Nets extended uh, the lead even further once they returned. And the Bucks clearly just weren't matching the same energy that the Nets brought, uh, despite uh, you'd think a heightened sense of urgency, really, really wanting to steal. Uh, one of these away games since, uh, as I mentioned, Harden's uh, availability is still somewhat uncertain. But the broadcast really really pointed out that the Bucks' offense really had zero 
uh, rhythm at all. The Bucks were uh, incredibly isolation uh, heavy throughout these uh, next these next two games, especially, and um, that that'll really show in the box score of Game Three. But uh, really, no po- positives to point out whatsoever uh, in Game Two at halftime. The Bucks trailed 41 to 65. Uh, Brooke Lopez led it with 10 points, five rebounds. To so Kevin Durant's 21 points and three rebounds. Uh, Chris Middleton started out 0 of 8. Um, I did say that correctly. 0 of 8 from the field uh, in the first half, and then followed that up with 6 of 8. But the game was already completely over. Um, like like I had mentioned, uh, no one player could have possibly brought the Bucks back in this one, as as the entire team just uh, did not wake up for this one. Um, thing that's hurt, hurting the Bucks is, uh, of course, also the Brooklyn Brooklyn's added depth. Um, you know, even even without James Harden, of course, I feel like that's getting that's getting glossed over way too much in in the national media, but. Uh, they're also missing uh, Jeff Green, who would presumptively be the best uh, Giannis defender. However, Blake Griffin's doing um, doing uh, his his best impression of a of a Giannis stopper in this one. And I think really the Giannis stopper is Giannis himself, who is taking himself out of these games by uh, by not attacking the paint, trying to be a jump shooter, even though. It's abundantly clear to everybody in the world that um, that uh, the opposition is going to live with that, and rightfully so. Um, yeah, Joe Harris was was really adding on to the Nets' lead in this one, splashing home threes in the third quarter. Um, and Giannis did start going to the rack a little bit more in the third, but um, but Bucks fans all too familiar with Giannis. Um, Really turn, turning it around and, and showing that spark that we needed um, uh, a little too late in these games, where uh, where by by the time Giannis re- really seem seems to notice that he needs to make adjustments, sometimes the game's already out of reach, and that was the case in this one. Uh, but obviously, he didn't have a, he didn't have a lot of time to keep it in reach in this game. Uh, just like Joe Harris, Landry Shamit also piled on uh, for the Nets to extend the lead even further with back to back threes. And then we would also get the uh, the Kevin Durant uh, drive past Giannis Antetokounmpo for the reverse layup to close the third quarter. And uh, and yeah, obviously a strength to Giannis Antetokounmpo is is just his sheer size. So even on these plays where he looks like he's totally getting getting cooked and and the the away crowd's going wild, he's still he's still a- able to contest his shot and seem close enough to affect them. But um, but that's what that's what makes Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is 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 even when when you play perfect defense on him, um, there there's absolutely no stopping him, and he he uh, he barely needs an inch of breathing room to splash it in your face. Um, but even so, Giannis plays just incredibly foolish, over aggressive defense um, way too often. You know, like I said, he um, with the size that he has. Um, with um, the quickness, along with his size, he, even though he's he can't move laterally as well, given given his frame, um, he he could really he could 
really still benefit from being being much more passive on defense and just taking what the offense gives him but of course he has to he has to either get whistled for unnecessary fouls by by getting frustration fouls or or gambling on reaches and steals or or he lets guys like Kevin Durant just just dribble right past him and um, Kevin Durant there using using the rim itself there as as a shield to finish finish past the Greek freak. Um, but uh, definitively by the fourth quarter of the game was already over 65 to, to 95, 30 point game going into the fourth. Giannis had uh, 18 points, 11 rebounds, four assists to Kevin Durant's 32. 32 points, uh, four rebounds, and six assists. Uh, some stats to show um, how awful of a game this was. Uh, Start with field goal percentage. Um, the Bucks shot 44% from the field to Brooklyn's uh, 52%. And even more glaring from three, uh, the Bucks shot 8 of 28 for 28.6% to Brooklyn's uh, 50%. Uh, shooting from the three-point line on 42 attempts. The Bucks also only had only had eight, 14 assists in this game, which speaks to their lack of offensive rhythm. And the Nets had nearly double double the assists with 27. Reba- the rebounding battle in this one was also um, was also incredibly close, given the size disparity. Uh, Bucks only had a had a two had a two rebound advantage in the rebounding category, which is if anything, shocking at this point, considering all the missed shots that Brooklyn had had uh, had the opportunity to grab rebounds off of. Um, Brooklyn had eight steals to the Bucks t- to the Bucks two uh, forced turnovers, and the Bucks had sixteen turnovers to to the Nets nine turnovers. The Nets scored 20, 23 points off of the Bucks sixteen turnovers, whereas the Bucks only had nine points. Uh, off of off of the Nets uh, nine turnovers, uh, somewhat of a silver lining here, I suppose, is, is that is that the Bucks didn't quite get to a fifty point deficit, but only just forty nine. We can round up the, though there because um, it looked it looked completely like a 50, 50 point loss out there. Like I mentioned, we did not uh, look like we belonged on on an NBA court at all, and. Um, it's funny. The national media this whole game was talking. The one question I, I received, or not that anyone was asking me these questions, but the main question I heard from all the nas- national media was just who's to blame for this, and it's really everybody. It's um, let's start off with Giannis and Chris for being the leaders of this team and just not showing up and taking ill-advised uh, ill-advised shots early in the shot clock, shots that just aren't their shots uh, mainly speaking to Giannis um, but especially against this Brooklyn team with with their lack of size um, and how good we've been uh, scoring in the paint we're really just letting them off easy by taking a bunch of a bunch of silly jump shots especially when they're not falling for us um, but then also Mike Budenholzer uh, obviously not at fault there he's not escaping from any of that considering uh, the press that he gets in Milwaukee and rightfully so because because if his players are are playing totally foolish out there, it's the coach's job to, to to get them in the right spots, run some plays for them, and yeah, really um, disheartening effort to say the least. I don't think I've ever 
experienced a defeat that, well, I don't really need to get all sappy on this, but I like to think even though I do I do a podcast on this team, um, and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm really involved with them, I like to think that I keep a pretty level head. I play... Uh, I play devil's advocate for for both the Bucks and the opposition. I feel like uh, almost to a fault, but this loss really really affected me personally. Um, felt like it was just a downer, um, a downer all week. Knowing um, knowing what what the Bucks put on display there um, for the nation to see and had me really nervous. And even though we we squeaked the win out there. Um, it wasn't wasn't anything to look to make you think that this series is gonna gonna turn on its head at all, considering uh, really how poorly the Nets played in that one. And somehow we still uh, still came down to the last shot on that one. Uh, I'll get I'll get into a lot more of it as we get further on into this show. But really, the tone here is is uh, is a disappointed dad. Really, I can't say I can't say I'm well. I can definitely say I'm upset with this team, but. More than anything, I'm extremely disappointed with them. Um, yeah, they just completely embarrassed themselves and really the city of Milwaukee. At risk of uh, sounding hyperbolic there, um, I don't take that back as of right now. However, for now, I'd like to take a moment to share a word uh, from our new sponsors, and that's uh, Manscaped. Support for Nuck If You Buck is brought to you by Manscaped. They're the best in men's blow belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched the fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard it right, 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide and trust uh, Manscaped with this exclusive offer of 20% off of off and free worldwide shipping with the code Giannis. That's G-I-A-N-N-I-S at manscaped.com. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. I, like every brave soldier, have endured more have endured pardon me, more battle wounds than I'd like to admit. And in addition, while using a conventional shaver, I was putting myself in harm's, in harm's way uh, more often than necessary and subjecting myself to, to way too much cleanup. Now with Manscaped, I can use their waterproof lawnmower 4.0 in the shower, allowing me to have a more effective shave more often and with less hassle. Um, I know many... Many men out there um, perhaps uh, put off taking care of themselves uh, and maybe saving it for just before, just before a special day, just so you don't have to take take the time not only to take care of yourself but to clean up, clean up the mess. And in this case, um, I think this might be the um, well. There are many points, but I think this is the um, that's probably the single. Um, best takeaway for me here is that it's just uh, so much less less of a mess to clean up uh, but also um, much more much more effective as well so so in the past when, when you were maybe taking a risk um, try trying to get 
that deeper shave um, um, and then just just testing yourself to see whether or not you're gonna you're gonna nick yourself and and put yourself in harm's way well well the lawnmower 4.0 is built for that um, so so no need to limit yourself you can always look your best feel the most comfortable and be ready for that late you up text manscaped is engineered has engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents like I just mentioned, thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I'm now confident when I'm shaving my boys. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. Did I mention wireless trimming? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it all wrong. It's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped uh, to make me time the best time with some nice smooth boys. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Giannis at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with the code Giannis, G-I-A-N-N-I-S. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, now back to the basketball. The balls that really matter. Now, I hope you I hope you all didn't think that I would just stop with the usual game notes on this one because um, you know if 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 you're tired of hearing about this game too bad even outside of this show you're gonna be hearing about this game for years and people people are gonna point to it as uh, as uh, well yeah clearly I believe it's the second worst locks loss in Bucks history just outside of that that Chicago Bulls loss in the first round where, where Giannis tackled Mike Dunleavy Jr., but there's no silver lining with that at all. Um, I was really motivated to share a couple new points here after listening to the No Dunks podcast. Um, shout out to No Dunks at the, at the Athletic. Um, I know sometimes NBA podcasts can go a little bit too far with, um, I don't know, not even just, just going too far. Uh, into the uh, in, into the analytics, but just being uh, just being overly critical. I feel like to um, to feel like you have an original take, but but I think what sets sets no dunks apart is that they have a great group of guys there who all have extensive knowledge of the league. And what really sets them apart is their uh, is their cohesion. So they're really level headed analysts. But even even our guy Lee Ellis at No Dunks really had to. Um, dig into the Milwaukee Bucks for this future performance. Um, he tweeted out that um, ask, during the game, asking if Giannis knows that he's being defended by Nicholas Claxton and not uh, not Blake Griffin or and uh, Nick or pardon me, yeah. <laughs> Let me try again. Lee tweeted out that. Um, asking if Giannis knows that he's being defended by Nicholas Claxton and Blake Griffin and not Dennis Rodman. And clearly there you, you would think you would think that he maybe wouldn't have some sort of confusion there because he was just um he was just settling for jump shots the whole way around and 
And um, yeah, maybe he was completely punked uh, in this game, like the rest of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, as before, I forget to mention, um, there was Blake Griffin re- really winding back the clock. Um, I believe it was in the first half when Blake dunked all over Giannis, and Giannis tried to make a business de- decision, but it was too late. Um, not only Giannis, but myself, even on even on my couch, really flinched at uh, Blake Griffin posterizing Giannis. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was really funny. I guess if I, I'd urge any anybody to go listen to that uh, No Dunks uh, episode, uh, I believe it was the day after that day after Game Two, where Lee really went in went in on the Bucks and rightfully so. Uh, the joke was. Was uh, was the guys guys asking Lee if uh, the Bucks or Bucks fans or Mike Boonholtz are grounded because of how much he scolded the Milwaukee Bucks? And uh, yeah, I definitely felt down for a few days. Felt like I was I was grounded a bit. Um, but yeah, honestly, just hearing the recaps of all these games, even outside of uh, of no dunks, like I'm laughing at here. Um, the way that everybody was talking about this Bucks team, it had me think think all the way back to my uh, my my limited athletic athletic career, where um, maybe if you're maybe if you're you're a little boy in rec, in, uh, rec soccer like myself, and, and maybe you talk your parents into having into going to McDonald's and grabbing a cheeseburger or some chicken nuggets and fries before before a soccer practice, and you're really not just feeling it, you're just going through the motions, you're you're jogging around, but really, but really, uh, don't care if you get the ball or not, score or not, take the ball away. Um, that's that's what it really felt like when I heard heard um, heard all the national media talking about the Milwaukee Bucks in this. It just felt like they didn't want it, which is uh, the opposite of what you'd want to hear from your team uh, being in the playoffs and and yeah, I, th- I think I think that comparison that I made and and. Uh, you know, the you know the fact the fact that I'm considering the most crushing defeats of my childhood when 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 thinking about how the Milwaukee Bucks are doing doing in these playoffs when everyone's choosing them as as the trendy pick to to go on and win the championship I think just shows that um that yeah I I really don't blame anyone for not having much faith in this team obviously I don't have a ton of it at this point. Luckily, we're st- we're still alive in this one, and we still have we won game three and uh, game four at five serve is not an elimination game, um, and in fact, this series can really turn on a, turn on its head if we do uh, take away game four. But these first three games really um, shouldn't have convinced anyone otherwise, and I don't think it did um, if you actually watched any of these games. In fact. Um, I met, I mentioned all all the turnovers and steals in this game, obviously the cr- incredible disparity in points off turnovers, but um, but there were just a number of times, especially in the first half, where, where the few times the Bucks would drive, they wouldn't um, they they wouldn't go in or go up strong enough or make the pass quick enough, and they just have the ball ripped away from them, and that's another point where I had myself thinking back to my own uh, disappointing ath- athletic career. Um, when watching when watching this Bucks team, like like they really just just didn't belong out there, and and uh, yeah, there's only so much more I can say. Uh, going on further in the no dunk, dunks rant, um, J. E. Skeets. This might be going a little far, especially considering the circ- the 
well, the context here. Um, however, I don't necessarily blame J.E. after this for say, saying that he's that that he might never vouch for Chris Middleton again in terms of in terms of being an All Star or being an All NBA consideration because because he just hasn't been showing showing up in the playoffs, uh, especially in the, in these first two games. Uh, at least at least Giannis had. Um, made made his claim in game one, scoring scoring thirty points per game. But Chris starting off o, o of eight in game two, after having having a terrible shooting shooting outcome in in game one. You know, I wasn't even upset when Je Je Skeet said that about Chris Middleton, even though obviously it gets into the whole whole. Well, that's the regular season. The Bucks clearly don't have any trouble with, but but. Yeah, I found myself thinking, well, you know what? If this is the kind of performance that we have, have should I really blame uh, people for questioning if Chris Middleton is an as is a number two guy? Um, I think he he definitely he definitely showed it in Game Three. So I'm not taking suddenly everything away from Chris Middleton, even though it might sound like that just because of just because of these first two games. Um, but you know, if you don't have the luxury like a lot of us do to watch every single Bucks game and you just tune in for for I don't know maybe half of these games I I wouldn't blame you for 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 questioning what all the uh, what all the fuss is about with Chris Middleton. Um, Mike Boonholzer ha- also has has a we'll take a lot of the blame for this for sure and rightfully so. I know I was thinking in game in game three the whole time, especially going down the stretch when uh, the Bucks held the lead for most of game one, but but for at least. Well, really, at least three quarters that the Nets were in reach and would take uh, would play, would take slim leads here and there as as the as the Bucks eventually succeeded. But um, whole time down that game, I was just I was just thinking, well, is this going to be is uh, is Mike Boonholzer going to be fired? I think I think unless the Bucks really really make this series competitive, which you know, I guess they. I guess they could even lose. I guess they could even lose Game Four, and then may, maybe maybe take one away from the Nets going back home if the Nets don't really care to play well um, with a three-one lead. Then then maybe it, it can look it can look competitive on paper. But so far in this series, um, Mike Boonholzer, um, well, I'll say Game Three. But eventually, did play play all of his guys, um, forty minutes if necessary, like Chris and Giannis um, in Game Three, um, and so he finally recognized that he was coaching for his job there. But even then, um, with with the game uh, so much within the grasp of the Brooklyn Nets, there, um, yeah. But it was but it was really messing around too much, and he was doing it. Um, Doing it too much. Also in game one, when he when he was switching to his zone to try to combat the combat this Brooklyn Nets offense, when this might be the worst team to to go and in, go into a zone zone against, considering that they have KD and Kyrie, um, not even James Harden out there, but but uh, but yeah, really a, a zone is really for for um, for stopping penetration and. And the, and the Brooklyn Nets are totally fine with uh, with with living with their jump shots here. So, obviously, the zone didn't really stop the Nets at all in Game Two. Um, I mean, it's it's fine. It's fine if Bud wants to just. It's it seems like Bud 
throughout the regular season just just made changes to be able to say that he made changes to his bosses perhaps um but um like eric name said in a in a playoffs preview to the ringers kevin o'connor um the next step uh to to kind of emerge into he'll never get here but like a nick nurse conversation is is knowing when to make those certain adjustments and obviously there's no place for for his own defense against these brooklyn nets Obviously, this team was way too isolation heavy, um, really throughout both of these games, um, that being game two and game three, but at least the Bucks got lucky enough with with the Nets having such a uh, putrid offensive night in game three that it worked out for them, but uh, way too close for comfort. Um, and uh, per StatMuse, they shared that that um, 90% of Kevin Durant's threes in these playoffs have been contested, but he's gone on to make to make 50% of those uh, contested threes. So just another example of, of how a simple zone defense will will do will do absolutely nothing against this Brooklyn Nets team who are shooting uh, before game game three. So after game two, the Brooklyn Nets, as a team, were shooting 50, 43, 91 uh, in the entire playoffs. That's right. I mean, there's, I guess you're considering a single player's entire um, entire 82-game season uh, usually, but the 50, 40, 90 club is something that's held uh, in the highest regard in the league. Only so, only so few have done it, uh, ironically, including Mount including Malcolm Brogdon, but uh, ironically, Kyrie Irving just did it this year and Kevin Durant's done it. Um, I don't know if he's done it twice, but I know he's he's done it at least once. Larry Bird's another guy, but yeah, th- those, are, those are the guys who are themselves individually um, held in the highest regard in terms of, of NBA scorers. Um, in the history of the league, and I guess maybe, maybe it makes more sense that a team with with that same personnel is shooting that well overall. But but pretty pretty crazy considering that they're doing that uh, as a team. Um, I guess one of my last notes on uh, on game one here, or I guess it applies to both, but. Um, the broadcast did share that this bro- that this uh, Milwaukee Bucks team um, had the highest uh, regular season uh, points per game average with with 120.1 points per game, and somehow they can't score above 86 points against these Brooklyn Nets. At least this week they have not done so. Um, it was 107, 115 after Game One, so that doesn't apply for this whole series. Um, but still, the Brooklyn Nets not being not being the defensive team, at least on paper, that can that can slow down this Milwaukee Bucks team, or at least they shouldn't. Um, it's really disheartening that we can't get uh, within uh, thirty point thirty four uh, points of our average throughout this season. Um, lastly, the transition into our talk about Game Three. 
which had a had a much better outcome, even though it was uh, ugly. We made it through, and at the end of the day, a win's a win. Um, but Frank Madden of, of Lockdown Bucks shared that um, for the for the I know I've said this before. Hopefully, tongue in cheek, it came through on the podcast. But for for the ones who say that a series doesn't start until uh, the home team loses. Um, uh, 90%, 93% of the teams that have gone up 2-0 to after, uh, after a two-game homestand in the conference semifinals or after, um, those teams have won 93% of the series um, that they've played in. And um, ironically, part of that 7% um, was the Milwaukee Bucks in the 2019 Eastern uh, Eastern Conference Finals against the Toronto Raptors, of course, losing the fir- or winning the first two at home, and then going on to lose going on to lose four straight. So, um, yeah, soon I will transition into uh, Game Three of this series. Uh, perhaps, perhaps I can bring the mood a bit up because after all, it was a win, and we do live to see it, see another day. Um, you know, despite. Despite that, I shared that our chances, technically, um, based off of Frank 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 Madden's uh, statistic, are are seven out of a hundred. There, um, no team has has ever gone on uh, to take a series after going down 3-0, and uh, definitely over over a hundred chances throughout NBA history. So, at least I'm saying there's a chance. And before I'm, I get into game three, I'd like to share a word from our returning sponsor, and that's Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy, Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. Uh, they've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. If you're, um, for example, a little casual about one sport like I am with the NFL, uh, I have to I have to at least be casual and watch watch games um, dependent on my availability during the NFL season living in Wisconsin uh, gotta be a Packers fan I'm still clearly very casual in that regard I'm the annoying guy when I'm watching it with my friends I'm constantly asking questions like what why that's why that's a foul um, why why that's an illegal tackle, why that's an illegal block, whatever terminology is. I at least believe that I can choose five out of 10 player props in that respective sport to build um, to build my lineup. After all, uh, fun fact, I did win both my fantasy football and fantasy basketball league this year. So um, shouts out to me trying to get some fake, fake hype going for... Uh, for that game three win that we're about to discuss. But for Thrive Fantasy, each prop has a fantasy point total associated with its over-under based on its likelihood to occur. The most points a selection's worth, uh, the riskier it is. You want to rack up the most points to win a share of the player prize pool. Thrive's awarded over $2.2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and has $50,000 guaranteed for a late uh, NFL regular season week alone. 
and they've uh, given out thousands more since the beginning of the NBA season season to take advantage of this. Use promo code Giannis, that's G-I-A-N-N-I-S. When you sign up today, you'll receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store, or you can visit them at their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. All right, everyone. I tried to I tried to get into a little a little a little bit of my my so- soccer dad scolding uh, Lee Ellis rant there, uh, but but honestly, I just I just didn't have have it in me um, to to get ready for this tough subject. I had I did have a, a couple beers and a Reuben to get ready ready for this, and now I'm chugging some black tea. So um, for, forgive me for not being ready for that, but. Um, but you know, part of that might be because, uh, the Bucks are not, uh, totally dead in the water in this series. We, um, as we squeak past the Brooklyn Nets in game three, despite a terrible offensive night on both sides, indicative by the final score of 86 to 83 Bucks. As I mentioned, the Bucks just can't quite get over, uh, uh, 86 points this week, but luckily, uh, it's funny in uh, game three, similar to how um, how it's frustrating that that we can't quite get Giannis to to uh, to play his his most most efficient offense, and that's getting 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 to the rim, um, or rather, at least it works out better that that in the next case this time uh, the guy taking jump shots is Kevin Durant and. Um, it's it seems like it seems like we keep baiting him into into uh, elbow, elbow jumpers throughout this game. Usually he knocks he knocks them down more often than not. But but the the Brooklyn Nets here after they uh, fought back after a tough fir- first quarter for the Nets, a phenomenal one for the Bucks. Um, uh, both offenses looked really stagnant, and uh, it was it was really is it, it was a star battle there. But really really a tough star battle on both ends. Uh, in this one, we had the usual suspects starting for the Bucks and the same Nets starters as in uh, Game Two. Uh, as I mentioned, the Bucks came out of the gates red hot. Um, notably, Giannis and the Bucks were actually attacking attacking the basket early. Uh, I believe Giannis started out with uh, seven points, um, whereas the Nets started out 0 of seven with two turnovers. Uh, and Chris Middleton also started out hot from three, shooting three of three uh, from beyond the arc. And the Bucks finished the first first quarter um, up thirty points to eleven, um, with Chris and Giannis with fifteen points each. Uh, that's right, Giannis and Chris scored all of the Milwaukee Bucks points, and that would continue on uh, into the second quarter. Um, however, that was also. When the Nets really started to fight back themselves, they went on a 7-0 run at the beginning of the second quarter, and particularly Bruce Brown was killing Brooke Lopez and the Bucks in the short pick and roll. He had like four floaters over Brooke Lopez in the beginning of the second quarter alone, and this is a moment where we're he- hearing a lot of criticism that has has merit to it. That it's really tough uh, having Brooke out there in the series at times because because um, they know to attack him in the pick and roll. Um, but he's he's not taking advantage of his size like he did like he did in the Heat series, um, even though he seems to he seems to have the quickness 
like definitely on defense because he's mo- he's moving laterally and it looked like he had at least like five blocks out there, including um, stuffing Blake Griffin at the rim later on in the game when when Blake tried to take Brook uh, off the dribble. But uh, for the most part, and especially in that second quarter, they were just killing him in pick and roll. Uh, Bruce Brown um, must not be. I mean, I don't even know if he's six five, and he's just he's just tossing him, tossing him to the sky like a shot put shot over uh, uh, over Brook Lopez, I believe. Um, it might it might have been another one of the No Dunks guys who made a joke about. Apparently, uh, Derek Rose shoots with a weighted ball when he works out. Um, uh, maybe it's not even shooting with a weighted ball because that'd be quite peculiar. But apparently. Um, Derek Rose works out with a weighted ball, and they had a joke joke that perhaps Bruce Brown works out with a bowling ball. Um, but yeah, really peculiar that um, that the Bucks aren't taking advantage of their size as much as they should uh, in this battle because they showed they showed that they could do it against the Miami Heat. I know the Brooklyn Nets are a different animal, but um, yeah, both these teams were the teams that were that were so eager to get um, uh, likes of Blake Griffin and and the Marcus Aldridge. Um, however. Obviously, respectfully, uh, Marcus Aldridge retired um, after some blood clotting issues, but but Blake Griffin hadn't looked like himself in, in over a year in Detroit, so we did did not expect him to have the same same impact in, in this one. Um, luckily, as the Brooklyn Nets were um, were cutting into this this. Uh, deficit of theirs more and more, uh, and Brooke Lopez was struggling. Bobby Portis was was providing a a very much welcome spark off the bench, uh, just a little bit quicker than Brooke Lopez, though he doesn't have the same verticality and instincts as, as him. Um, however, Bobby is also a lot quicker quicker on offense and uh, has has a little bit more more off off the dribble game. Um, still, they're big men, so not their not their uh, bread and butter, but. Bobby helped helped the Bucks hold on the lead going into the half. Uh, Forty-five to forty-two Bucks. Chris Milton with twenty points and eight rebounds to Bruce Brown's twelve points and six rebounds. Um, at the beginning of the third, order looked like it had been restored as Giannis was 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 uh, especially attacking the rim with reckless abandon. Uh, more so like that like that first quarter when he was really putting a stamp on the game before it had gotten away from them. Um, However, meanwhile, that was when when we really started to notice um, that KD was just uh, knocking down uh, elbow jumper out after uh, elbow jumper out of the pick and roll. Then again, of course, the beginning of the second half, Brooke Lopez was back in, so we knew uh, we knew, or rather, the opponent knew that uh, that Brooke would be playing drop, and KD only needs only needs uh, an inch of space to to get the shot up. Uh, and Brooke will allow plenty of that. Um, however, um, given all, all of those uh, those elbow jumpers, Kevin Durant didn't hit his hit his first three until early, early in the thor- third quarter. He would knock down another one uh, shortly after. However, though, to make up some of the difference, and um, I'd say per- maybe I would definitely say, well, let's just say the moment that we'll remember outside of the basketball. Uh, more than anything in this one will be the double the double technicals assessed on Kevin Durant and PJ Tucker uh, getting in, in each other's faces. Uh, apparently they have uh, they have really good uh, relationship off the court, both being uh, Texas Longhorns. Um, 
But as they were getting getting in each other's faces, it was definitely heated and something that something that uh, the not just the refs but the players were also uh, attentive attentive to break up themselves. Uh, it looked like security had had flown in out of out of nowhere and body checked PJ Tucker, and that's why PJ Tucker uh, uh, kept escalating the situation. But uh, after the replay, it, it became more and more apparent to the fans that that wow, this wasn't really. This wasn't just P.J. Tucker losing his cool out of nowhere or Kevin Durant didn't necessarily say anything that crossed the line for P.J. to react this way. It was it was the security who had, who had body-checked uh, P.J. and been completely unprofessional and unnecessary. And it was later rumored on Twitter with no, um, with no reliable sourcing at all, but I've heard it more than once, the idea that, that this supposed security guard that we had thought for uh, 12 hours... Uh, just shot out of a cannon was actually uh, Kevin Durant's bodyguard. So, uh, at least a, a little, a little um, added taste of sweetness there for the Bucks is 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 a little more uh, fun to be made at Kevin Durant's expense for 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 bringing a bodyguard uh, to a basketball game. Not something you see a lot, but uh, then again, he's he's one of the most famous athletes in the world. So, uh, who am I to say? Uh, later on in the third. Uh, there were a couple of soft foul calls called against the Bucks. Um, however, being back at home, it felt like it felt like we had had much, much more of of a friendly whistle uh, compared to uh, back in Brooklyn. Obviously, that can have have a huge effect on on Giannis and the others. Um, the way the NBA is offic- um, officiated. In, in the modern NBA, it does not uh, provide any help for for uh, big dudes like Giannis or guys who like to take advantage of their physicality. So, um, but yeah, that that that's not any excuse at all. And I think we've seen uh, seen seen the ref abuse abuse their whistle much more than these these past couple of games. Again, putting the blame completely on on the Bucks and all of the Bucks for. For this rough week, um, but I had mentioned uh, in game one that I had really been concerned about uh, Thanasis Antetokounmpo being thrown in late in a quarter, and you know, in a vacuum, you don't really. I mean, even even a lot of the regular season rotation players um, may cause concern for fans if they're, if they're seeing any any daylight at all. But Thanasis Antetokounmpo proved me. And maybe other like-minded Bucks fans uh, abundantly wrong is Thanasis came in, um, switch, switched on literally all five players on a possession, initially forcing Brooke Lopez to block the shot on a Nets drive. Um, but then as the Nets, uh, of course, got a second possession at the end of the third quarter, uh, Thanasis rotated again all the way back around, it seemed, to, uh, back, to the, back to the other four players and... Sh- and uh, and got got the block shot himself on a on a uh, on the same offensive possession there uh, to close the third quarter. So shout out the NASA Santa de Kumpo for really getting um, for really getting his team and the fans uh, hyped up for the fourth quarter in this one. And uh, apologies to him for ever doubting him going into the third. Buck still held that slim uh, that slim lead uh, at sixty seven to sixty five. Uh, there you can see um, how much uh, how uh, 
how disappointing that scoring output was for both teams, really. You know, looking at the first and the second quarters, uh, it was 30, 30 11 bucks in the, in the first quarter and then nearly evened up by halftime. Uh, is completely flipped in the second as I believe the Bucks. yeah, obviously I can, I can do math. Uh, the Bucks only, only having 15 in, in, the, uh, in the second quarter to the Nets' uh, 32, 31. Yeah, I can do math. Um, and then uh, Chris Chris Middleton, 27 points, 11 rebounds, and Kevin Durant with uh, seemingly a a lot less than, than I would have expected, but a 19 points and 9 rebounds going into the fourth for Kevin Durant. Um, early in the fourth quarter, Giannis would sink his first three of the night after seven attempts to finally tie Joe Harris, of all people, uh, early in the fourth quarter with the same amount of three-pointers made. So that was another huge thing that will explain uh, partially why the Nets were so bad in this one, and that's because uh, that's because Joe Harris provided basically nothing on this one, but considering the type of the, the type of isolation ball that the uh, that the Bucks and Nets played with uh, with uh, with Giannis and Chris and largely Kevin Durant, uh, not too surprising that, that Joe Harris didn't quite didn't get involved quite as much with uh, with uh, ball movement heavy offense that the Nets usually run. Um, but yeah, spoiler spoiler alert: Giannis would finish the game only uh, one of eight on three pointers. So. Uh, Bucks hope to see Bucks fans hope to see that go down. Um, on top of more ill-advised early shot clock threes by uh, by personnel who uh, should be doing the exact opposite and being being the historic presence that they are in the paint, um, the Bucks look to be kissing this this lead goodbye with a few uh, few. T- Turnovers in short order that led to a Mike Budenholzer timeout, um, and Brooke continued to have have more timely blocks in the fourth quarter uh, on on the uh, few attempts the Nets did get in the paint. So at least uh, at least the Bucks were show, showing a little bit more more of an impact um, with their front line on the defensive end in this one. Um, and oddly enough, from the six-minute to the two-and-a-half-minute mark in the uh, fourth quarter, both teams just went completely scoreless, tied at 76 uh, uh, overall from both teams, obviously, for three-and-a-half minutes there uh, until uh, Chris Middleton and Kevin Durant would go back would go back and forth uh, a couple times each with, uh, with elbow jumpers and a second militant shot being being uh being an odd little uh deep floater that he would drain um but then that would but then that would come to a halt as uh Chris would finally get a miss and Kevin Durant would splash a three around another uh around an, another pick and roll action involving Brooke Lopez so a lot of redundancy in this game and of course this podcast uh, recapping here but but uh, yeah, that's that's just the circumstance that that uh, that Bucks fans got to see out there. Um, 
And then conveniently, this was right around the time when I was reading tweets about, about Drew Bledsoe. Um, you know, really get, considering the assets that we gave up for Drew Holiday and especially the season that he had this year, um, it was uh, like nails on a chalkboard, he- hearing that comparison on Twitter. Um, but Drew would save himself for a lot of that criticism by really sealing the win for the Bucks. Um, just storming down court and then and then uh, and then hitting a nasty spin move around uh, none other than Bruce Brown um, to uh, to take the lead and uh, and then on the other end the Bucks would get a crucial defensive stop um, before uh, before the Bucks would get fouled but luckily they had another another to give so instead of sending Giannis to the line on the initial. Uh, Foul attempt. We were able to send Chris Chris Middleton to the line um, on the out of bounds play, and he he hit a couple more to get that three point lead. And uh, Bucks fans really have to count their lucky stars out there as uh, KD just barely rims out a game tying three pointer um, right at the buzzer, and the Bucks of course take it home, uh, eighty six to eighty three. Um, another. Another uh, 90s basketball uh, final score there, and that might even be insulting to the 90s folk. Um, But fun fact on this one, this is Giannis and Chris Middleton combining for 79%. That's 68 of the Bucks' 86 points, which is the highest uh, scoring scoring output by a duo in NBA playoffs history. Uh, So totally a bounce-back game for those two. but that might that might sound like a little bit of fool's gold there, considering the terrible shot selection by Giannis Antetokounmpo in particular. We, there's still uh, a ton of room for improvement from him. Um, really, really, the hope for improvement is just that he looks more like himself and gets over whatever funk that he's in, where he's somehow for, forgetting who he is, and that's that's the back-to-back. Uh, back-to-back MVP and you know I mean in in my day-to-day corporate life I I really hate hate the hate the idea that when something goes wrong someone has to be to blame about it and the focus isn't on what the solution is but um, but really at the end of the day if if anybody is if anybody was to blame for that uh, incredibly embarrassing uh, game two loss it should really First and foremost, fall upon our our top guys, and that's Giannis and Chris. Luckily, uh, they were able to redeem themselves in this one, and uh, and not totally um, bow down to the Brooklyn Nets, as we know, one of the most uh, devastating offensive attacks of all time. Um, lastly, before I go. I'd like to share um, a couple other uh, NBA news items off the basketball court, and that's uh, that's a couple of the awards uh, being passed out for the regular season. So now we know where our guys uh, fall in the pecking order, not receiving any of those awards, but they they do announce the ballots for those, including MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, congratulations to Denver Nuggets, uh, right? Rightfully so, Nikola Jokic taking home his first MVP trophy. Um, I felt like 
I felt like he faced way too much skepticism uh, in terms of his MVP uh, campaign this year. No disrespect at all to to Joel Embiid, who uh, who really had a decent case besides health in this one. But of course, availability is is abundantly important when you're considering who the best player in the in the in the regular season season is. And this year it was Nikola Jokic. Fourth in the voting was Giannis Antetokounmpo, who I believe he received at least one first place vote, and then of course had the most four fourth place votes and um then going to defensive player of the year uh rudy gobert won his uh third defensive player of the year trophy and uh and we had vote recipients uh out of Giannis, um who took uh fifth in the defensive player of the year voting and drew holiday uh also uh, made it on the short list for Defensive Player of the Year, uh, depending on if you wanna how you uh, how short of the list you wanna you wanna view it as. But uh, Drew Holiday came in eighth for Defensive Player of the Year voting with six uh, third place votes. So shout out to Drew Holiday. Hopefully that that uh, that speaks to his uh, all defensive team case, either first or second team. I'm sure he'd be he'd be thrilled about as he's probably. Uh, had a couple of those pass him by uh, so far in his in his career. And my last note on just uh, the NBA in general is that the Athletic Champs Rania announced uh, some key dates for the 2021-2022 season. Uh, the overall story is that the is that the NBA is going to be jumping back to their uh, normal their normal calendar um, with uh, training camps starting late September, regular season starting October nineteenth, uh, which seems a little early, but I think the NBA might have transitioned to a shorter shorter training camp and an earlier regular season to space out games more, as opposed to this condensed NBA season. So, hopefully, the perhaps earlier start uh, is is actually beneficial to the, to the players and not just the the owners of the league. Then uh, next year's playoffs will start uh, April 16th. Uh, finals will start uh, June 2nd. Finals will end no later than June 19th. And next year's NBA draft will be June 23rd, 2022. Obviously, a lot of time to go there. Um, over a year until some of those dates and some of that, um, about half of that we haven't even seen for this current season. So, um So yeah, forgive me if that was a little bit of, of a little bit of extra information, but just further co- further confirmation that the um, that the NBA did uh, accomplish their goal in getting back to their normal schedules. We're getting back to a little bit of normalcy uh, out there as fans. I know a lot of you are getting to enjoy uh, getting to enjoy the Deer District or, or being back in uh, in the Fiserv Forum, being able to join your friends for some of these games. Um, Luckily, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, allowing themselves to play another game make, uh, makes it so that it's at least somewhat possible that I'll be able to, to make it to uh, perhaps, oh gosh, I'm just realizing live I'm not even going to be able to uh, see Game 5 live because that'll obviously be in Brooklyn. Jeez, Devin, such a casual. But... Um, yeah, so I guess the Bucks will have to win uh, one more game yet if if I want to have the chance to see them at the Deer District. I really I really hope they have because I've been I've been uh, cautious getting back into it. Um, but 
I want to I want to fully be a part of the fan experience and uh, you know be uh, be be less be less be less of a hermit fan like I find myself being at times in this um, in my in my recordings here I try to I'm easily distracted especially when I'm with with my friends and out and about so I like to try to observe absorb as much bucks as possible and watch it by my lonesome but you know fan experience is uh is also uh abundantly important especially in the playoffs so hopefully you are you all are enjoying it out there uh win or lose we still booze with that i'll see you in another life brother Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.